0: What we're doing, just to get you up to speed, is we're, um, we're working for a series called Disciple by Jesus. Actually, I was chatting to somebody the other day and they said, oh, I didn't realise you were actually doing through the Gospel of Mark. Everyone had thought, oh, I'm just sticking random passages, but we've been working through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we could, that would take us uh, some considerable time. I just thought, where can we go next? And so, actually, we're in Mark 7, but I'm going to cheat and do the parallel passage from Matthew. So we are in Mark 7 in terms of like following the story through of Disciple by Jesus, but uh, I'm going to jump in on uh, in Matthew 15, it's the equivalent. Okay, so uh, it's a simple fact in our society really that uh, people feel, uh, want, some people feel connected and belong and other people don't. Other people feel uh, that, that it's easy to forget what it's like to be excluded when you belong you can really feel, well, it's, I understand what it's like to belong. And when you don't belong, you forget what it's like to belong. And when you do belong, you forget what it's like to be excluded. You, it's very, very easy. So uh, the very first time, say, that you, you go to church, um, that is a scary kind of time. But when you've been going to church for a while, you forget that feeling. You just think, oh, it's easy. You know, we're friendly. Everyone has cookies. It's fine. But people, when people walk into a, a church setting, they, they have... Perceptions. I remember when we moved to Manchester uh, to plant a church there, that how hard I used to, I'd find it. Uh, I mean, I'm from the north, so I can say this. You know, there's this thing that that Northerners are very friendly, and I think on one level they are. But we, Naomi and I, found it quite hard to connect. Naomi is from the south, so no one would speak to her in the playground, thinking she was a post southerner. And um, and f- I, I'm from the north, but I can remember watching my lads play football and all the kind of Salford. Posse dads would all just stand together, knowing each other, went to the same school, grew up together. Parents went to the same school, and I would feel very excluded, and it was kind of hard to do that. And the temptation is for is to retreat into kind of church, retreat into what you know, and and so we can all feel like at times like that, we can all feel um, what it's like to be different. Like yeah, but we can all feel like oh, I'm I don't fit, I don't belong, and. And I'm excluded, and, and that's a huge challenge. And, and Jesus basically had been talking to into the disciples' culture about what it meant to belong and what what it didn't, because there was a huge kind of sense of who who was in and who was out, who was us, and who was them. Them's a really a hard word, isn't it? Us is a nice word, but uh, but when he goes with them, it's a hard word. Um, and the kind of jesus disciples lived in a in a kind of us and them kind of world i mean who were the who were the thems if you know your bible at all you can play who who were the thems the not the israelites what did they call them not pharisees gentiles so the gentiles so the people who were non jews they were definitely the them you still see that today in uh you know in 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 the middle east the jews Sometimes it's because of necessity, because they feel surrounded, but sometimes there's a kind of sense of, no, we're us. We hold together. When we lived in Manchester, there was a Jewish community in North Manchester, a very tightly drawn Jewish community. Because they'd had so much persecution, they felt, we want to be us. But there's something in their culture that was, no, we're us, and that's them. What other kind of lines were there? That's an obvious one. That, there's an us and them in our society about race. So that's that one we've just touched between Jew and Gentile. What, what other uses us and thems are there that's obvious in our society? Rich and, poor. Rich and poor, clearly. There's definitely those, the haves and the have-nots. And in Jewish society, there was a, <clears throat> an us and them between men and women. Uh, and we looked at a woman last week, and uh, we're going to look at a woman again today. <clears throat> but the woman we're going to look at is a... It's a Gentile woman. There was also, I think somebody had said Pharisees. There was also an oz and then between Pharisees. Pharisees were these people that, that the religious rules as it were, that they would wash the outside of their cups, they would wash their hands before uh, meals in ritual fashion. They would divide up, you know, if they were making a, a parsley sauce, they'd divide up their parsley and give a tenth away to God. I don't know what God would do with that tenth of parsley, but, but that's what they did. They, they had that very sort of literal sense of, we keep the rules. And anyone who didn't keep the rules was very much kind of unclean or kept outside. And we saw that last week with the, with the lady who'd had this kind of uh, hypermenonoa, this kind of flow of blood for 12 years, how that kept her outside and unclean from society. And Jesus is dis- he's discipling his disciples through that kind of journey. And so uh, we find that in Matthew 15, which is equivalent of Mark 7, we find that Jesus has been doing like a a theory lesson on um, what's clean and unclean. And he talks through in that early part of the passage about, you know, it's not... It's not washing the outside of the cup that's important. It's about washing the inside of yourself. And he says it's what makes a person unclean or a them in, in, in their culture. He says what comes out of a person lies, sexual immorality, lewdness. Uh, you know, And he just lists a whole kind of things that he says, look, it's not about whether you wash your hands for dinner. It's about actually what makes a person clean and unclean is about sin. And so he's given a practical lesson so you can read it for yourself. We're not going to go into it. Then we, we, we come to this interesting section, which uh, is Mark, Matthew 15, I think it should come up for you. It says, Jesus, leaving that place, withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon are like ports on the coast. If you go to uh, Israel, Tyre is now, what's, I think, part of what's now Lebanon uh, and Sidon, uh, po- uh, old ports on the coast, definitely not uh, Jewish places. Gentile places. Uh, A Canaanite woman, interestingly in Mark's gospel, she's called a Syro-Phoenician woman, a woman from Phoenicia and Syria, but Canaanite, same sort of, it's it's basically the same description, just a different way of looking at it. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me, my daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, uh, she said. He replied, Is it not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs? Yes, Lord, he said. Even the dogs must eat uh, the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted and her daughter was healed at that moment. Jesus doesn't come out of this story very well, does he? At first reading, he gives her the silent treatment, he doesn't speak to her, he, says, he calls her a dog, basically says, is it right to give the, the bread from the, the, the Oz to them, the, the, the Gentiles, to the dogs, he, he, he calls her a dog, he, he, he seems to, uh, you know, treat her with real contempt, and Jesus doesn't come out very well, and actually we had an interesting discussion in our Alpha course, because one of the people uh, feel that, oh well, it's the church that's the problem, the church is kind of like this, you know, the church is the, the sort of judgmental, finger-pointing, kind of woman-hating Let's not deny it. The discussion was about gay bashing. You know, the, is that what the church is about? Is that what is that what what Jesus is about? And and people say, well, Jesus, Jesus isn't provocative. But actually, Jesus, on first reading, you could take this out of context and think, Jesus, you, what are you saying? A woman comes to you and you just ignore her. She comes asking and you ignore her. She dresses you really well and you just ignore her. What is going on here? But I think what we must, mustn't forget is that actually, though at first reading it looks like that's what Jesus is doing, actually, and this is why I wanted to take this, this passage from Matthew, he's actually teaching his disciples, and that's what we're doing, They're teaching them a lesson from life. Let's pray. Father, we just pray as we uh, look at this passage that you would you'd teach us, teach us about us and them, how you see that. Teach us about barriers and walls and reaching across those barriers, reaching across those walls about what it means to include, to be inclusive, uh, what it means to be uh, full of love and reaching out. Lord, and I pray as as Jesus puts his disciples and the woman through a little test, uh, I pray that we, our hearts, wouldn't fail the test uh, as we look into our motives and what we really like. Uh, I pray that we would come out differently than perhaps these disciples did. Amen. Okay, so basically, this is the practical paper, as it were. If, if Jesus has been giving them the theory lesson, now this is the practical paper, this is a practical exam, and he's asking them, or he doesn't ask them in that sense, I believe he's asking them, how are you going to react to this person? How are you going to react to, to this woman? Practical test. What are you going to do? Because this woman is a Gentile, it's interesting that, as I said before, that, 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 that Jewish men would pray in the morning. Thank you, God, you didn't make me a gentile. Thank you that you didn't make me a woman. I don't. I don't. I hope Jesus didn't pray that. But you know, J- Jewish men of that time would pray. I thank you, you didn't make me a gentile. You didn't make me a woman. In fact, if you were a rabbi, uh, a teacher, you wouldn't even talk to the, mem- the female members of your family in public. You know, so you come to church or whatever. You know, you're the rabbi, and your wife talks to you. You just, you won't talk to her. That was kind of the culture. Jewish man would never, gentile woman. So Jewish man would never talk to a gentile woman. In fact, but you see Jesus do that a lot, don't you? You know, Jesus does it to the woman at the well. She's a kind of half and half. You know, gentile. She's a Samaritan. But also, you see, uh, here, you know, that 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 she's she's. He's reaching out and she's, she's reaching, as it were, across the barriers. She's reaching across the divides and that's really brave because actually we tend not to do that. We tend to stay in our own groups, we tend to stay in our own tribes and we don't ever reach out across the, the divides. It, almost as Christians, we sometimes expect people to reach in to us but we're not very good maybe at reaching out across the barriers to them, and this woman is, 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 is reaching in to Jesus, she's reaching in to him, and she's reaching him desperately, and she said, look, I, I, I want to, I need some help, and she addresses him in an interesting way, actually, she addresses him, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me, now that word Lord could be sir... The words that she used could be could be translated "sir" or it could be translated "lord." The reason why it's translated "lord" is because of what she says afterwards. What do we know about the term "son of David"? What son of David? Does it mean anything? Why do people? Why does Jesus? Why do when Jesus is going into Jerusalem and they put palm branches down? They say "Hosanna, uh, the son of David." Praise to the son of David. The son of David. Then you're struggling. The son of David is the Messiah term. The Messiah was going to be the son of David. So she's really addressing Jesus with massive amounts of respect and faith. She's saying, you're the Lord. You're possibly the Messiah. In fact, Jesus had been to Tyre and Sidon and done lots and lots of miracles. And he actually says to to the people who lived around where he lived, he said, if the miracles were done that I'd done in Tyre and Sidon had been done here, and they believed, you would believe, but you don't believe. So he'd obviously been to Tyre and Sidon, been around that area, and docked lots of miracles. And this woman had heard about him, and she's thinking, she's not a Jew, she's not a believer, but she's saying, are you the Son of God? I mean, that's the big touch point in our Alpha group at the moment. Is Jesus the Son of God? Is he the Son of God? Is he the Messiah? Is he the Chosen One? No, he's just one among many gods. We're all gods. We have this kind of whole mix of discussion. And actually, but this woman cuts right through that, and she says, Lord Messiah, Chosen one of God, have mercy on me. Now, obviously, if somebody came to you, uh, and, you and said, look, I, you know, I am I, I trust in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Uh, you know, there's a sense where you might think, well, at least, surely he's going to speak to her. But he doesn't do that at all. He doesn't do that at all. He basically, it, it, says, it says, Matthew says, Jesus did not answer a word did not answer a word, and I'm thinking, what's going on here? A really great book called uh, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes by Ken Bailey, brilliant, brilliant book. He says that he's setting his, uh, the disciples an exam. So I thought, you know, silence, exam in progress. So he's not saying anything because he wants what to happen. Think. He wants... He wants the disciples to say something, doesn't he? Yeah. He wants the disciples to respond. Have you learnt the lesson about what's really clean and what's really unclean? It's not about racial barriers, it's about something else. Have you learnt that lesson? So he's silent. And but they would just think his his silence, his indifference, his rejection is is doing what well what is a Jewish man? Of course he's gonna do this, isn't he? Of course he's going to say, we don't treat you well, we're, we're, not, we're, we're not interested in you. And actually, Ken Bailey in his book says, actually, I don't know that the woman realized at first he was setting her a tough test. But she kind of gets it quickly. The disciples are a bit slower to get what's going on. But but Jesus, he just blanks her. Who's listening to the voiceless? It's a challenge. It's a challenge. Who's going to, Who listens to the voiceless? Here is a... Uh, a picture of an Indian woman who's uh, been trafficked, uh, it's off a poster about um, uh, trafficking for sex and trafficking for uh, slavery uh, in kind of garment factories and stuff who who speaks up for her? And you'd think when a a woman who's who's not got a voice a woman whose daughter's desperately ill comes to Jesus and finds her voice he's not going to ignore her is he? If a woman came and said, look, I've been been trafficked for sex, or I've been enslaved in a garment factory in Bangladesh, please have mercy on me. Just not listening. What is going on? Who is going to speak up for who? Who's going to listen to her? And it's really interesting, because why I like the Matthew passage, or I don't like the Matthew passage, because of what it does, is immediately what they say next is really interesting. The disciples immediately draw the lines. They say... They came to him, that's Jesus, and urged him, keep her away. She keeps crying after, out after us. Who is she crying out after, really? Jesus. She's not crying out after the disciples. What have they done? What have the disciples done? Rejected they've rejected her, but they've also done, done a, an interesting thing. They say, well, Jesus is the us, and we'll draw a line around Jesus that includes us. We're in. Uh, you know, you talk to Jesus, you talk to me. He's me. We're a, you know we're a team. We're together. We're on us. She's one of them, and we need to keep her out. So you know, it's me and you. It's us and them. She's we're right. She's wrong. Uh, you know, we, it's me, not others. And and they draw that line by saying she keeps crying out after us. This picture is from from the, this SS Great Britain that you can go to visit in uh, Bristol. First class passengers only beyond this line. There's something about that that kind of annoys you, isn't it? Does, it? does it do that to you? Maybe not. Maybe you do travel first class and you think these these signs are very important. I don't know, you know, you, if you've ever been on a plane, I've never turned left. You go up the stairs. If you turn left, you're going into the Holy of Holies, aren't you? behind the curtain, within the veil, with the economic priesthood, you're going that way. But if you turn right, you're going down... You know, and I'm used going down and down and down and down, smaller and smaller, and I go through another curtain, smaller seats, crammed in, whatever, and you find yourself in the back corner, whatever. And you know, and I don't like that. I want I think that ridiculous. And, and they used to be able to they used to be to have a door, didn't they? And then they were told that's not very good for playing, so we'll have a curtain. And then they were told, You can't have a curtain. But there's not a curtain, but there's definitely an invisible line. You no. We are there, you were here. You cannot come in we're first class and you're not you can't come in um, so they draw this ring around Jesus that includes themselves and, and as they do so their pride is enlarged their sense of importance is strengthened by the very act of exclusion have you noticed that? when you start to say I'm in you, 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 and you say you're out the people feel good about that that's most vivid if you've got teenage girls so we've got this kind of sense so teenagers do that so that girls, particularly, I know it when I'm school teaching, teenage girls, if you're school teaching, they lay like, these are my friends, but by definition there has to be somebody outside of that circle so they can feel good that they're in. And what the thing about girls is that they they like to swap. The power broker in the girl relationship likes to swap. I won't mention the name at Balcarres, who is the power broker in my daughter's uh, relationships. It's not her. Uh, you know, who would like? Sometimes she's out, sometimes she's in, and whatever. And then the, and and we do that. And it's not just girls that could do that. We we do that. We like to say because you're out, I'm in. I belong. You don't. Makes me feel good. And, and and the disciples are doing that and the 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 as, as Jesus and, and they think Jesus is with them because he's saying nothing. Yeah, you can understand the dynamic, what's going on, he's saying nothing. The out excluded are feeling more excluded and the disciples feel more hm the clean. And, uh, but she presses through i don 't know whether she presses through in desperation or she kind of understands that, that Jesus is setting a test, and she presses through, but she doesn 't she drops the son of David business and she just gets straight to the point she just says, "Lord, help me, sir, help me, help me jesus responds it 's shocking says this sorry about the picture i 'll explain it in a moment <laughs> I <laughs> know, oh, let me explain the picture. I was I searched dog. Don't I put this? I was. Oh, let me read it. I was only sent to the Lost Sheep of Israel. It, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dog. So I put children's bread, bread, dogs, and this is the picture that came up. Now, if you look closely, is it a loaf of bread or is it a dog? It's a dog, isn't it? It's a dog, but it looks like a loaf of bread. So I couldn't resist putting it in. It's nothing to do with my talk, I just couldn't resist putting it in. You'll probably, oh, I remember that pup dog that looked like, everyone's awake now, what? Uh, That pup dog that that looked like a loaf of bread. Amazing. But it's like, he says, I'm not going to take what belongs to us and give it to them. I'm going to take the bread that belongs to us and Tony, you cannot to cut, cut the dog up. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and give it to them. I can't, we're not going to do that. I, I, you know, he says, it's not right. What, what's happening at this point? The disciples are really slapping themselves on the back. Well done. Well done, Jesus. You're definitely one of us. You're definitely the one. Yeah, right. Absolutely. You're saying you're, that lady's out and we wholeheartedly applaud her, applaud you. C.S. Lewis wrote this um, 50 years ago. I believe that inside all men, probably less so with women, but it's true probably, uh, one of the most dominant elements is the desire to be inside the inner ring and the terror of being left outside. The disciples are so desperate to be in the inner ring that they'll actually trample on or reject somebody else just so they can feel in. Now that happens in every human organisation, doesn't it? And it always saddens you. So it happens in school, amongst the staff, it happens in business, it happens in charities, and it also happens in church. It happens in church. For some idea that we perceive church as a a series of concentric rings and the more you're in, the better you feel. So the way it kind of works... For me, in my kind of world where I interface, I am not in the inner ring, by the way. There's multiple rings inside of me, my network and my world. So what happens is, I can meet somebody, you meet somebody and it's in a neutral space, and you chat to them, and then when you're in the bigger context, if they're from the inner ring, and you're from the outer ring, what do you do? You don't chat. That's what happens. It happens in bigger churches, it's harder to do it here. But you know, there's rings of who 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 do you talk to? Who's who? Who who's important? Who do I talk to? Who 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 is in and who's out? And it happens in churches, and you know, people feel the more I can get to the middle, the better I am. You know, that, that that men particularly think the more I can get if I could get to stand where Howard stood, then my life will be fulfilled and I'd be in and everyone around me. You know, and, and we can do that. And we can feel that we're working our way in and we and actually most of our attention is is turned in. And one of the phrases we use in this church is about being turned in. It's turned in. It's all about, about getting to the center because we're fearful of being left out. I don't know if you've read a book that was written some years ago called uh, What's So Amazing About Grace by Philip Yancey. Has anyone heard of that book? A couple of you, three or four. It tells a shocking story. I, let me just read it. I want, us to put, I want to put us here. I want to put us in the disciples' shoes, so let's just bear with me. Philip Yancey writes a prostitute came to me in wretched straits homeless sick and unable to buy food for her two year old daughter through sobs and tears she told me that she'd been renting out her daughter to men for sex she'd made more renting out her daughter for an hour than she could earn on her own in a night but she had to do it she said to support her own drug habit. Philip Yancey says, I could hardly bear hearing her sordid story. For one thing, it made me legally liable and I am required to report cases of child abuse. I had no idea to say what to this woman. Philip Yancey says, At last I asked if she was going to think of, ever thought of going to church for help. He says, I'll never forget the look of pure naive shock that crossed her face church he cried why would i ever go there i'm already feeling terrible about myself they just make me feel worse and i guess at this point in the story the woman just feels out she feels like why on earth did i do this perhaps why am i stretching out reaching out to jesus i'm just getting rejection I'm, his people his disciples are just rejecting me. i'm this, this is terrible why am i do, why am i doing this now imagine um, if that desperate woman came and came to God first. Imagine you met her; she came in. You didn't notice to start with, but maybe you chatted to her over coffee, and she starts to open up. Desperate, she starts to open up, and she says, "This is what's happened to me, and this is what my life is about." And then she comes and sits sits down next to you. And the preacher's about to preach and he, he opens Matthew 15 and he reads out um, what comes out of a person makes them unclean. Greed, lust, sexual immorality. Imagine you're in a, a church I don't think would happen in God first where actually when the preacher says yeah, sexual immorality and evil makes a person unclean. Imagine if the, if the congregation starts to say amen, yes, amen. How would you feel for that woman? How would that woman feel. Imagine that the, the preacher comes and then he, say, he gets to this thing and he says, you know, it's not God's people, God's people, it's not right to take the church's bread and toss it to the dog's. Imagine you're sitting next to that woman, and I'm doing that, I'm saying, yeah, prostitutes, they need to be stoned, or whatever, I don't know, let's be first century, or they're so terrible, you know, drugs and abuse, and whatever, and you know, it's not right to give them love, and we just we don't want to take the the children's food and feed it to the dogs. Imagine that was the preacher saying that, because that's kind of what Jesus has said. What, what would you, what would you do? What should you do? You don't know, do you? What would you do? You're sitting next to that prostitute. What would you want to do? Yeah, you'd, you'd want to say, you'd want to lean over to the woman and say, that's not what he's like. He's not like that. Jesus isn't like that. The church isn't like that. You'd want to stand up, wouldn't you, and say, for goodness sake, Howard, don't be so judgmental. Wouldn't you? You'd want to say, hang on a minute. Is this what we're about? So Jesus, as it were, preaches this sermon that says, we don't want people like you. And the disciples say nothing. They say nothing. Now, the disciples weren't worried about uh, interrupting Jesus, were they? Because actually, they're quite happy to interrupt Jesus and say, when you get into your kingdom, can I be one side on the throne and you be the other? Can, you know, they interrupt him when he's doing that, and they say, look, can, can we be right in? Can we be right in? They're happy to introduce... Jesus is doing something, you read it in the Gospels, he's healing this person, talking to this person, and they're interrupting and saying, can we be right in? They're quite happy to introduce Je- about that, or happy to uh, 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 interrupt Jesus and say, someone's licked my coat. What's going on? Someone's nicked my coat. You're supposed to look after me, Jesus. They're happy to introduce Jesus, <laughs> interrupt Jesus when that... But actually, they don't interrupt Jesus appears to be giving voice to their us and them world I'll say that again Jesus appears to be giving voice to their us and them world he's he, but he's really asking this woman is annoying do you really want me to get rid of her are you happy that my ministry is already ready to those that are just in are you happy with that Do you feel any compassion to speak up for this woman? Will any of you feel the injustice of rejecting her daughter's screams? Will anybody do that? Will any of you love her? What what, what do they do? He asks them those questions and what do they do? They fail the test. They say nothing. They fail nothing. The disciples, I've written here, the disciples are silent in their prejudice. In their comfort and in their complacency, they flunk the compassion test with an F for fail. I think Jesus wanted them to go, time out, Jesus. Is this what we're about? Is this what you just said? But they don't. But they don't. And that can so easily be the the church we're in where there's nobody's, no voice for the voiceless. And I feel it myself. I'm not pointing the finger at you and saying we're all like that. We're so easily like the disciples. And if you feel like you're one of them, you you can easily feel, well, why aren't people caring for me? And that's not a great place to start. But what is a good place to start is to say, I'm not going to be an us. There's not going to be an us here. We're not going to say we don't care. But I love the woman in that she's... She's, you can put the pictures of the doggies up. <laughs> she says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, she says. And she loves, she says, even the little doggies eat the crumbs that fall from her master's table. She's called, it sounds like Jesus called her, you dog. You dog. But actually, she presses through, because I think she sees what's in the heart of Jesus. She presses through and says, oh, come on, but even the little doggies, the are little puppies. I could have put Milo up there, but hey. Even the little doggies, the little puppies, eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. John Ortberg, in his book, Everybody's Normal to Get to Know Them, writes this. The disciples look at Jesus. She keeps going, this woman. Is he finally going to send her away? Is he finally going to say, shut up, get out of here, I've nothing for you. John Ortberg writes this. The disciples look at Jesus. Now Jesus turns away from them to face the woman. He says this, now the mask, finally the mask is off. For a moment, Jesus concealed the great goodness in his heart because he had a purpose. Now that purpose is fulfilled. The woman sees his face. She feels his love. Jesus' heart is full. Maybe his eyes as well. He turns to her and expresses his admiration. Wow, woman. Great is your faith. Your request is granted. How did the disciples feel at that time? The last time Jesus is mentioned the measure of faith was in the storm boat, where, and he said, You've got such little faith. And they thought, Oh man, we're outside the ring. Oh dear, we didn't make the cut. They feel terrible. And then Jesus says to this woman, You're in. You've got mega faith. They thought, Where are we? What are we? And, and Jesus has put them. There to challenge them and to say, I don't think they'd go into a situation again and do the same thing again, would they? When they go themselves into a situation where they, it's somebody who's outside or somebody who's rejected or somebody's hurt, they wouldn't go into that situation again and be full of contempt because they remember how stupid we felt. The test was a tough one. They failed it, but they learned from ta- failing it. And the tough was, the test was a tough one for the woman and she'd learned from passing it. Let let me just finish it off. Because actually, what God wants the church to be and what God wants us to be is an inclusive circle of love. It's difficult to find pictures to do that, but, you know, an inclusive circle of love. Because I believe that God, the Trinity, is an inclusive circle of love. He's not an exclusive circle of love. Father, Son and Spirit turned in on, them, on themselves for all eternity. He's an overflowing community of love. Not exclusive, but inclusive. Drawing in, drawing in, drawing in. He wants, he wants to do that. He wants to draw us in. He wants to say the walls are down, come in. The barriers are down, come in. But, but actually we can't stop building walls. Here's a picture from um, the West Bank. Somebody, yeah, If you know, in West Bank they're still building walls. This is a wall that divides Jew and Gentile, Israeli and Palestinian. Somebody's drawn, brilliant, I don't know what that that says, it's obviously in Arabic, but somebody's drawn back and put this really nice scene, as if like, for goodness sake, let's pull the wall. And we keep building walls, don't we? We keep building walls. We keep building walls emotionally and politically. We divide. We just, if there's a, a way that we can divide and exclude, we will. We keep building walls, but Jesus crosses the divide. Jesus crosses the divide. What's this picture show? Do anyone know where it's from? It's from the roof of the Sistine Chapel, Michelangelo. And on this hand, if you pull it back, is God. And on this hand is Adam. There's a divide, but but Jesus crosses the divide. John puts it this way, he says, at the beginning of his Gospel, the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. He crossed the divide. He crossed the divide between humanity and God. We've built a wall between ourselves and God and said, we don't want you. We're going to have an us and you're not in. We're going to have a world and you're not part of it. But Jesus is not having that. He's crossed the divide. And actually, he's done more than that. He's broken down the wall. He's broken down the wall. He's broken down the wall. It says in Ephesians 2, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has, dis- who has made the two groups one. And he 's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. In the temple in Jerusalem, there was a wall. There's a little wall, a small wall, you could look over it, go over it, between the Gentiles and the Jews. Between the men and the women, those two divisions were in the temple in Jerusalem. And women could only come so far, and Gentiles could come less far, and then men, and then priests, and you could only go so far, and it was walls and walls and walls. But it says, because of the cross of Jesus, the curtain of the temple's torn into, but the wall that divides people is also torn into. The world that divides has been torn into, and therefore that means as disciples of Jesus, we've got to live differently. And it's a challenge to me, and it's a challenge to you. John Hartberg says this in his book, The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are determined that the circle of love they share from all eternity should be ceaselessly and shamelessly inclusive. It's not full yet, he says. They invite all who will to join them. They invite all that will to join them.